0: Welcome to the REI Foundation Podcast, where we cover all the steps and strategies to make your real estate dreams a reality. Now, your hosts, Jason and Peely.
1: So, before we dive into the show, we wanted to say thank you so much to all the listeners out there. It's always great to have you dive in with us on all these great topics we were able to have three times a week. And if you want to hear more about us, go to YerusiHoldings.com. You can find everything about us from projects we're working on, more about our team members, how we break it up, and all the resources we offer. And if you want to invest, learn more about investing with us there. Also, make sure to check out our multifamily meetup if you're local here in New Jersey. We run the New Jersey Multifamily Investment Meetup, and it happens to be every second Tuesday of the month uh, here in North Central Jersey. So if you're in Pennsylvania, New Jersey, New York, make sure to check it out. And lastly, if you want to learn more about investing in apartment buildings, go to multifamilyfoundation.com. All right, check out the show. So do you fix and flip houses or invest in real estate or just want to get started doing so? Well, Alpha Funding has you covered with fast, flexible, and reliable service and rates starting as low as 8.99%. Fast closings, no tax documentation or bank statements required, no prepayment penalties, seasoning or minimum draw requirements. Alpha Funding, the softer side of hard money. To get yourself pre-approved today, go to alphafunding.com or call 732-657-2014. Well, hello again, and welcome to another edition of the Real Estate Investing Foundation podcast. Happy to have you. Thanks so much for listening. And for everyone here, if you like to be here, please go to iTunes and give us a five star original review. Of course, you can also find us on YouTube. But well, we're super excited. We've got a great guest and a great topic for us today. We have Aaron Spradlin. Aaron, how are you doing?
0: Good. How are you doing?
1: I'm doing great. So, a little bit about Erin. Uh, her business is the James Carlson Real Estate. Uh, she's a co-owner and associate broker, and uh, her focus is legal Airbnb investing and female investors. So we have a lot that we can cover today. Um, her legal Airbnb for 50% of her clientele are investors who want to do longer short-term rental investments, but also uh, mostly prefer to do short-term rental investments. Uh, she speaks about different cities, helps them be informed about the decisions and the. Particular cities, the pros and cons for moving forward, and identifying properties that work well with her investors and clients and other experts in their field. And she also, in terms of the female investor space, uh, Felt really weird because she would go to meetups and it would be very bro ish, as she's put it, a lot of bragging. And sharing. So, she's launched her own investment group all about females and other female attendees and speakers. And have been very interested in the fact that her females make up 91% of household decisions but are only 25% of investors. So, there you go, there's a huge confidence gap. And we're also going to talk about her four current residential investments. So, that's pretty awesome, Erin. Welcome to the show and tell us. Just from the start, you know, we talked a little bit offline. You've been in this awesome city, Denver, back since 2000. Um, what led you first into the Airbnb, Airbnb space?
0: Yeah, that's a great question. I'm um, just chuckling because I forgot that I said it was bro-ish at the dude investments, but I do feel <laughs> that. Way. Um, so in 2014, my husband, my now current husband, and I, James, were dating, but we weren't ready to live together, and I was really annoyed because we were spending so much time at each other's places and throwing away so much rent money. And Airbnb has roots in Denver that are pretty strong because of the Democratic National Convention in 2008. And so in 2014, I feel like it hadn't exploded in the United States quite the way it has now, but Denver had sort of, you know, I'd heard about it because of that convention. So instead of sharing a condo or, you know, making that jump yet, I just decided to put my place up on Airbnb. And I was like, if I get $400 for the month, I'll be ecstatic. Well, it was just gangbusters. Within half an hour, I had a $100 booking. It basically never stopped. And so then James and I were renting out both of our places. We were renting other places and renting them out. Um, This was definitely before the city and everybody was on the up and up. Um, And then after a little bit, James decided to get his license because we started to do investments. And when we were uh, writing people to see if we could buy their condo or their studio space, a lot of people were saying, well, I'm looking for a real estate agent as well, and so we thought, you know, if, if we're going into this, and it seems like a good deal to us, it seems inevitable that it might also trigger something for someone else. So that's sort of how we entered real estate was talking about Airbnb, what looks like a good investment, what the laws are. Because here in Denver, the laws changed January 1st of 2017. So I'm sure, as you know, as an investor, you always want to have a legal investment. That's a good idea. Um, and so from there, we. We started to do classes, started to do reports on local laws, and then have expanded our real estate business into buyers, sellers, people not just doing investments, but then I would say 50% of our business is also investors.
1: So when you first got into the legal side of it, was it due to a fact that you came upon an issue with maybe your own investments or some of your others that you need to dive in more or what led to this?
0: Um, I think, you know, what happened in Denver, so like I said, we got in in 2014 and I think HOAs in the cities weren't as hip to it. It actually turns out that Airbnb is pretty much illegal everywhere because most cities have a 30-day or less law, or if it's just not written into the city code, it's illegal. But most cities weren't tracking it, or they didn't have the manpower. They really didn't care until Airbnb showed up. So, like, in 2014, it was illegal for us. It was illegal for everyone, but, but people didn't really know that. I don't think they were trying to do something illegal. They just didn't understand what the laws were. And then January first of 2017, here in Denver, the law changed to your primary residence. So the only where, only place that you could legally do it is where you take mail. Um, so we thought, you know, investors obviously want to know what the long term game is, and you don't want to make an investment in part, you know, that's against the law. In part, because it's not a smart investment. In part, because it's wrong. So. We just started to do research as far as what does a primary residence investment look like that is still a good deal. And so that's kind of how we got into it. And then also looking at the cities around Metro Denver to see which ones had different laws. Like Colorado Springs has vastly different laws where you can be an investor and just go in and buy. You don't have to live there. Um, So Colorado Springs is actually a really good place for investors that don't want to live in the property to go in and do. So that's how we got into it.
1: Gotcha. Now- if we look at this, it almost, it almost how do we downside our risk? If, if laws can certainly change, and, and Denver, you know, changes laws to the point of just primary residence? If you're in Colorado Springs and Airbnb is a large focus of your investments, how can you hedge your risk if laws could just automatically possibly change within you know the next election or, or other?
0: Yeah, I mean, you kind of look at the temperature of the council. So we knew it was going to happen in Boulder, Denver, Aurora, all those surrounding cities because they're liberal. It seems kind of counterintuitive, but the liberal cities are actually more against Airbnb because... They are more concerned about housing affordability, whereas Colorado Springs tends to be a little bit more conservative in nature and a little bit like hands off my property. And so you can sort of fill it out temperature-wise with that. But then we also tell our clients when you're doing your investments for short-term, even a city like Colorado Springs where it's totally legal right now, try and keep your investments localized to downtown or close to hospitals, close to universities, so that even if it does flip, you still have a pool of people that are gonna to want to be in those areas either for a long-term investment or a medium-term investment. And that's actually what we ended up doing with all of our Denver properties is that we flip them to 30 plus day investment or 30 plus day rentals, which is legal under the law, but they're still furnished. And now we rent them out to people like traveling nurses is the one you really hear about, but also corporate rentals. We've had people that are going through divorces, so they don't, you know, maybe they're trying to work it out and they just want to rent a place or they're trying to figure out what their next step is with kids. We've had people that moved to the city and aren't quite sure what neighborhood they want to be in. And so, you know, as long as, 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 long as you have an investment that way and you think those numbers can still work with the medium term rental, you're pretty safe.
1: Have you found a medium term rental has been... I guess more lucrative than just doing a long-term year rental.
0: Yes, like we are really bullish on medium-term renters. We love them because they tend to pay more than a long-term renter because they think they're going to be there for a shorter time. Often they convert. We've had a couple where they've converted from like four months to a year and a half just because they've gotten comfortable in the situation, and then they also just tend to be really low maintenance. Maintenance really responsible people. They. have you know, they're, they're in their professional careers. They're not looking to come in and party. And you just don't have to do a lot with them. And they, they're just, they tend to be fantastic tenants.
1: In terms of short-term, of course, everybody thinks Airbnb, VRBO. Are there sites that are more aligned to focus on this midterm renter?
0: Yeah, I know. Um, I definitely have seen it on some Facebook pages. I can't think of the names right now because we don't use them. So we actually do use Airbnb to book our medium term investor, medium term investors left because on Airbnb, you put a 30 plus day rental. And then we've also used Craigslist and Facebook. So we at this point have not paid to acquire any of those. I think for some of those medium term and corporate um, sites, you have to pay a little bit more.
1: Very interesting. And for your investors who are looking to go into this model, whether short term or midterm, and you're helping them source the rules, what are some of the areas that specifically or or the rules that that you're going to look for to align with, with short-term rentals and what are some of the particular components of a short-term rental that, that generally make it a successful opportunity?
0: Sure. So if you're, you know, if you're out if you're in Colorado, you should call us, we can tell you. But if you're outside of Colorado, and you're trying to figure out what your local laws are, you should call your city planner, which you can just Google, find that number. And then you want to ask them, are short-term rentals allowed? And then spell it out for them, you know, 30 days or less. And is that in the code somewhere? Because uh, from our experience, we've seen, you know, you can talk to city planners or government, and you might hear different things. So really, you just want to rely on whatever is written in the code. And, you know, sometimes I'll call and say, like, is Airbnb allowed? And they'll be like, what's Airbnb? And so you really have to like drill it down. I would say the same thing for any kind of insurance product. Make sure that you're being very specific with them about what you want to do because you don't want someone to make a promise to you that they think is right, but in reality really isn't. So just uh, base it on that. And then I think as far as what you're looking for in an investment, what we found to be very popular for the primary residence model is something where you have – a place where you have a downstairs entrance so usually a basement entrance through the back Uh, a lot of people will install kitchens down there and then if they have the zoning it's true duplex at that point but if not if you only have the zoning for a single unit it's fine you actually don't need to put a kitchen down there to still have a lot of success with airbnb Um, so you just have a basement you lock off you know the rest of the house they have straight access to the basement You never see them, they never see you, and they pay half your mortgage. Works out well.
1: Alpha Funding Solutions offers creative financing tailored to your individual needs. Whether you're fixing and flipping distressed properties or building ground-up construction, Alpha offers flexible financing to get the job done. With no minimum draw requirements, no prepay penalties, and no seasoning requirements, borrowers can create a construction loan that best suits their individual needs. Everything at Alpha is done in-house from the sales force to underwriting, construction management, and draw payouts. The team at Alpha works as a unit to best serve their happy family of over 1000 borrowers. Experience the alpha difference today. Visit www.alphafunding.com or call 732-657-2014. Again, that's alphafunding.com and the number is 732-657-2014. There's nothing to lose and everything to gain. Alpha Funding Solutions, the softer side of
0: hard money. works out pretty well. That's
1: awesome. What are some red flags for properties that you need to stay away from from a short-term rental perspective? Um,
0: So, you know, one thing that we run into, this is something that kind of came up with us. So there was an up-down duplex and from an investor model in Colorado Springs, that's something I would be a little bit skeptical of because you might run into noise issues. So if you have two different groups that are staying, so you have two different rentals, They may have issues with each other because they can hear each other. Especially that bottom unit is going to be able to hear that top unit. So that's something to avoid. The other thing is HOAs. So there's a misconception that if it's legal in the city, it's going to pass with HOA, and that's not true at all. So um, you know, HOAs sometimes too. Even for us, like when we're doing our medium term rentals, HOAs sometimes don't even stop at that 30 day. Sometimes they put in 60, 90, 180 day. clauses. So I know I mean most investors avoid HOAs, but if you get into an HOA, just don't think that it's you're going to automatically get away with it.
1: So looking at your business model now, how is it evolving or how are you looking to evolve in the next one or 3 years?
0: Yeah, so it's been interesting, you know, we've on the Airbnb side, we've definitely talked to people about Colorado Springs and mountain towns where it's a little bit more investor-friendly versus Denver. I think for myself personally and for our business, I think we are doing a little bit more of a push on the female investing side just because that is such an underserved market. And it's also, I found, I talked to a lot of male investors. They're gung-ho. They're excited. They maybe have not consulted with their wives, which causes a problem. So I just think bringing the education factor up and to the point about what I had had in my bio about women making, you know, 91% of all consumer or 85% of all consumer decisions, 91% of the housing decisions, and then dropping to 25% for investors. It's like the experience is really not that different. I just think women are maybe not seeing people that look like themselves or having access to those conversations. And so they are self-selecting themselves out of the market. They also tend to be a little bit more risk adverse than uh, men. And so I'm just trying, at least locally, we're trying to address that and just have people have exposure in a group that's a little bit different than your typical investor meeting to see if that helps people feel more comfortable investing.
1: How, how is the exposure, how does the meeting look differently from some of the other RIA or, or group, meetup groups you've worked with before?
0: Yeah, for sure. So the investing meetings that I had gone to in the beginning or, you know, heavily male-based. I, I did feel like there was a lot of bragging or a lot of just throwing around of words that I'm not sure people fully understood what they meant. Um, so our groups tend to be smaller. I try to keep them at 20 people or less. So it is sort of an invite only and a networking. I don't want something that's just really big and overwhelming. Um, so the women in the group tend to know each other pretty well. Um, And then we have a speaker come in on a specific topic, whether that's real estate and taxes or 1031 exchanges or um, property managers, whatever, they'll come in, do a presentation, talk about their background, and then it's open for questions. I think people have gotten value out of that, but I actually think where they get more value out of, it's just the different levels of women that are in the group and they're like, they can say, this is the general contractor that you want to check out. Or I chose to invest in Columbia, Missouri for this reason, or, you know, so I think I, from my, what I've witnessed, it seems like people are just making really good contacts. And also like, if you want to try to go into a multifamily unit, there are people in the group that can tell you about the experience and where their hangups have been. And so I, I feel like that's instilled more confidence in people because they're, they're getting to talk to somebody in real time. That's gone through that experience.
1: Do you think there's a common hurdle or through line for women investors that, that keep them to just that 25% of of investing?
0: Do I think there's a common through line on that? Um, yeah, I think that I, I just think women are more risk adverse. I think that they, you know, it is a huge financial decision. That's probably one of the very, you know, buying a house is probably the biggest financial decision you're going to make. And then investing on top of it. I know for James and I, um, you know, he came to me for our first investment and said, I want to do a HELOC. And I was like, you're nuts. We are not leveraging our primary residence for your hobby. Like get out of here with that. Um, But then, you know, as I had more exposure to it, and you kind of talked me through it, I was like, oh, you know, we can do this. But but I still see this all the time with my friends where I'm kind of like, there are opportunities and there are ways to do this. And it's just still like a lot of reservation about it. And, and actually I see that on the Airbnb side too. It's interesting because obviously because of James and I's career, we we're talking about Airbnb a lot. We have a lot of friends that are in Airbnb, but our friends that never thought about that, you'll see like 50% conversion where they're in it and 50% that never do it, never talk about it, whatever. And, and these people are money savvy and it's kind of like, I, I don't know if the hang up is just not wanting to have, if it's stranger danger, if you just don't want someone in your house that you don't know, or if it's just like, I don't want to do that. It's just, you know, too much risk. So I, th- I think it's a risk, risk theme.
1: It's funny. I was listening to something in other day where someone said that people will spend, you know, get $150,000 of student debt and never go into their career but the risk averse for putting something like $5,000 down to an investment that could take them out of their career forever. So funny of that paradigm, correct? So that
0: kind of reminds me too. I feel like people you'll hear investors sometimes talk about going to like these real estate conferences or whatever that are 5,000 or 7,000. And it's like, just go buy a property with that money. And that will be the best lesson or education that you can have. It's, it may be cheaper, it might not, but then you own a tangible product and you're doing it day-to-day versus going to a seminar. I mean, obviously getting your education is important, but I think just diving in, I kind of think showing up is the most important thing. If you're smart enough, you'll learn it. You'll be okay.
1: Gotcha. And with your current uh, investment portfolio the four properties that you're doing the midterm um, rentals on, uh, is that, are you going to continue to acquire like-kind of properties or look to find short-term rentals in other markets?
0: Yeah, so it's kind of interesting. In Colorado Springs, we have a duplex, and that is being short-term. So we're not medium-terming in that because it's legal in Colorado Springs. And then in Denver, we have the medium-terms. I don't know. I actually think we may leave uh, the Denver market and go to the Midwest or other places just because I think for investors – sometimes the expectation with Denver it's it's really hard to get there you know with cap rates and cash flow and stuff things are very expensive they're very competitive and I just don't know if the rents have met that yet um, so I think for us we would probably go somewhere else I think the Denver market is much better if you are looking for your primary residence and you want to cut down the mortgage and then I feel like I feel pretty bullish on Colorado Springs still just because Colorado Springs has been a long ignored beautiful community just because uh, the it's a little bit different than the other major cities in the state. And so I think now you're starting to see a lot of overflow from Denver and also millennials that can't afford to buy into Denver. And so I, I really think Colorado Springs is still a great market, both for short term and also a long term play.
1: If looking in the Midwest, you don't have to name a specific markets, but are, what are you looking for from a metric standpoint? What, what kind of markets would stand out to you?
0: Well, I mean, so I actually haven't done a lot of research on it yet, but I know people from my female investing group have really liked Oklahoma city, Tulsa. Um, I, I think St. Louis was doing okay. That's less interesting to me, but I think what they were talking about with Oklahoma city and Tulsa is that they were next to colleges. The properties were fairly cheap, like 85,000. So under a hundred thousand, um, they had, you know, a steady stream of renters. I know, um, You know, you could pick from grad students and stuff that tend to be a little bit more responsible. And then we also like Oklahoma City just because we see a lot of cool things moving in. So you're starting to see food markets move in, a heavy emphasis on art and stuff. And so that to me is, you know, it's just kind of a signal. I always talk about this uh, theory. I used to call it the Starbucks theory, but now I call it the Orange Theory theory. But it's like when those companies move into communities like that that are still cheap, you should follow them because. They've done all the research for you. Orange Theory, especially, is not cheap. So you know that they have done their research. They know that there's going to be a demographic that can support it. And I feel the same way. It's like, just follow them. They're, you know, they know what they're doing. And so if you can buy a property that's a mile or two out of there that's cheap, and I just I, I guess I bring that up because I look at Oklahoma City and I think that's cheap, but they're starting to have a lot of the signals of places that are going to develop and start to become more expensive.
1: That's funny. You mentioned that. I have a friend who's friends with one of the, I guess the head of development for orange theories. And I was talking with the the dude and they, they're, if they're not in your city, they already have plans to come to your city. So they, they, they are out there opening franchises like nuts. So that that's a
0: convert. I will say it's an amazing club. <laughs> so yeah, there think.
1: you go. There you go. Yeah. And that's you're absolutely right. Right. Cause you, you, they're putting marketing dollars in to make sure the market's going to fit their metrics. And just like in many other places, I mean, you think about like Whole Foods or Ikea or Trader Joe's or Starbucks, and that's a great way for people to not to go out there and spend the marketing money to get to the point because these companies are spending a million dollars, $2 million, $10 million, $20 million to make sure this is a viable area for, for their investment. So yeah, that's a fabulous point. Um, Yeah.
0: James, James was just telling me, he had read this article about how Burger King, I guess, Spends no money researching where they're gonna go. They just go where McDonald's is at. And we were laughing last night, and we're saying, "Beef, Bee Burger King," is our advice. Yeah, you. that's
1: exactly right. Right. Yeah, you'll see a uh, Burger King open up, but you know, a half mile closer uh, to like the off ramp than McDonald's. And right <laughs> yeah. after them. That's that's really smart. Oh, that's great. So good. So for people that are looking for help, just make sure the short-term rental is viable in their market or some of the metrics they should look for, or some of the laws to stay away from. Um, what's the best way to, to connect with you? What's the best way to, to follow up with you about that?
0: Sure. So uh, I'm all, I'm all over bigger pockets. So if you look for Aaron Spradlin, I'm there. But also our website is James Carlson Real Estate, which is sort of mouthful. Uh, if you just Google Airbnb Denver, we will pop up immediately, or Airbnb Denver Real Estate, I should say. Um, we're also on Facebook, Instagram. Um, but we're easy enough to find.
1: Great. And the and the women's group.
0: Uh, Denver women invest. Is the name of it. But if you, again, if you go to James Carlson Real Estate and just ping me or ping me on pockets, I'm more than happy to talk to you about it.
1: Great. And the, the groups meet once a month or what's the meeting? Yep.
0: So they meet once a month, usually the last Wednesday of the month. That's awesome.
1: Good. Well, Aaron, thank you so much for coming on the show. This is awesome.
0: Yeah. Thanks, Jason. This was a wonderful talk.
1: Great. Well, this is Jason with the Real Estate Investing Foundation podcast. Huge thank you to Aaron Spradlin for coming on talking to us all things Airbnb. Thank you to all the listeners. Thank you for checking us out and we'll talk to you shortly. Bye now.
0: Thanks for tuning into the REI Foundation podcast. Check back next time for more awesome tips and strategies to launch your new you in real estate.